From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Connecticut, I'm Erica Ducey. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Fair Podcast. And look, before we get into you know everything else that we wanted to talk about today, I want to start out by saying none of us really want to even be talking about barbecue wines right now. There's a, there's a lot going on right now in the world. And if right now, you know, you listening to a podcast about me, Zach and Erica talking about barbecue wines is not what you want to do. I completely understand. We won't be offended at all. And, you know, we'll catch you here when you feel comfortable listening to a podcast like this again. But, you know, we know that there's a larger conversation that needs to happen in our you know world about equality and about, you know, people of color in this industry. And so rather than rush an episode this week that talked about all of the different issues, we want to do it right. We want to remain consistent about it, right? Because this is an issue that's not going to go away and that needs to be solved over a period of time, right? This isn't an issue that gets solved by us doing a podcast really quickly this week. And so when we talked about it and tried to decide what we were going to do, that was the decision that the three of us came to, was that we want to be very deliberate about how we tackle this problem and that we bring on the right guests that can speak to it. Because in all honesty, three white people in the industry talking about this issue is not going to solve it. It's going to be bringing on the people in this industry who've been affected and impacted by being systemically, you know, had, had have faced systemic racism since the beginning and telling us as well, how we come together as a community and solve this problem. So, you know, I wanted to address that right now before we jump into anything else. Uh, but I do want to thank everyone out there as well for listening. Please, please, please help us solve this problem. We at VinePair are establishing a database uh, that we're going to publish very soon in which you can see all of the Black-owned wine, beer, and spirits businesses you can support. Um, that's the first thing we can do, but not the only thing we can do. Please also make your voice heard. Um, please you know, get out there if you can. Um, please give to other charities that are helping you know, fight this and, and make this right. And let's also please, please, please vote in November. And with that, guys, let's get into the podcast. Yeah. Sounds good. So, you know, uh, it, it has been a, a pretty crazy week. Um, but, you know, I, I, do, I will say that there is something coming up that, that everyone at VinePair is pretty excited about. And I wanted to make sure that all the listeners are aware of, which is um, the VinePair Drinks Experience, which is happening uh, June 23rd through the 26th on our site and on the interwebs uh, on, on a webinar near you. And the VinePair Drinks Experience is going to be a, an incredible online digital drinks festival. Um, basically, we're going to bring together some of the, you know, our favorite brands, uh, personalities, et cetera, in the drink space to have incredible classes, uh, seminars, tutorials in the world of drinks. Whether you're a, a cocktail aficionado or you're someone that loves wine, I'm sure there'll be an event that will be right for you. Um, you know, VinePair Drinks Experience will be easily found on our website at vinepair.com. There'll be a lot of places in which you can uh, sign up. We have a track for the trade. We have a track for consumers. Um, you know, you can take part in getting as deep into a certain uh, idea or um, subject matter as you want. And you we can also have a track where you're just really interested in, you know, base level learning how to make cocktails for the first time. So I think there's, there's a lot for everyone in this uh, digital drinks festival. And we're super excited about it. And I'm hoping that as listeners of the podcast, you will check it out. Again, it's June 23rd through 26th. There'll be a lot more information on our website about it very soon, but wanted to make sure that listeners of the podcast heard about it here first. Yeah, I got to say, this is, I am legitimately super excited for this. When when uh, when the word first got out, I was I was just, I, I think, you know, one thing that I found just in my own in my own work and in my own other activities is that people are so missing so many of the opportunities to go learn and experience that 
they would normally be having, um, you know, year round, but certainly, you know, late, late spring, summer is a time for a lot of people, whether it's travel or uh, festivals or conventions or things like that. And uh, because of uh, COVID-19 and all that, you know, there's just not an option for most everyone right now. And so, you know, it, folks, I've seen some of the details. It is a remarkable event. Uh, I say this as someone who is not as intimately involved in the planning, so I have maybe a touch of objectivity here, but it's a kick-ass like, set of events. Uh, I am not sure how I will manage to attend as many of them as I can while watching my son, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what screen time's for. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really pumped for it. Yeah, I think everyone is. We we have a lot of uh, exciting news to come on the front of programming, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. So yeah, please check it out again, uh, June 23rd through 26th. And now let's get into barbecue drinks, people. So, um, you know, barbecue season is 100% upon us. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's a fun it's fun sort of subject to tackle because I think we, we sort of treat the wines we drink, the beers we drink, et cetera, a little bit less preciously uh, than, than in other settings, social settings. So I'm curious, like, do you guys have a go-to drink that you always think of when it comes to barbecues? I do. So what is it? I, <laughs> so <laughs> I I think when we when I started thinking about this episode, the thing that I kept on coming back to was like, I think our best utility that we can have in this episode is to to share our insights about how not to have that crappy hot red wine in a plastic solo cup <laughs> <laughs> that you've had at every pool party. <laughs> um, so I think. You know, when I'm thinking about a barbecue wine, I pretty much am going to a rosé. I have to say, like, it's just a really good all-purpose summer wine, whether you're having grilled chicken or salmon or sausages or burgers or steak or whatever it is. Like, rosé is my go-to pretty much all summer long. Oh, okay. Rosé. I get it. Zach? Well, you know, it's funny. As I was thinking about what I wanted at a barbecue, uh, I think I am... It's maybe the one one of the few kind of gathering times that I actually I kind of steer away from wine and and some of that is just maybe too many experiences like the one Erica mentioned of crappy wine too hot in a plastic cup and I think there are ways that you know whether it's rosé or chilled red wines or whatever that you can avoid some of those issues but one of my favorite things to do for for barbecues is to make a punch like I think punch is one of these categories of drinks that goes criminally underutilized in uh, sort of modern drinks culture. And I mean, you've seen some attempts to bring it back and, you know, whatever, with some effect. But it, it solves to me a couple of problems. First of all, you can tailor the flavor profile to what you're serving. So if you're leaning on red meat, you can maybe look at a slightly more robust punch, maybe even something made with like a brown spirit. If you're if you're kind of leaning on lighter fare at your barbecue, then you can look at something a little maybe more fruit driven or lighter. And along with that, it's the kind of thing that if made well can be sippable for a long period of time. It can also be super easy to serve. You know, you as the host, if you are the host, don't have to worry about, oh, you know, shit, where is the next bottle of chilled wine? Do I have enough room in my fridge? Do we have enough ice? I mean, ice is a part of punch for sure, but you don't need as much as keeping a bunch of drinks cold. And frankly, the last part is it's just fun. Like, we served a punch at my wedding, and I will mention that we made perhaps a strategic error in doing so, which you should perhaps avoid if you're going to have a barbecue this summer, in that we made the punch in a traditional sense, meaning that it had both spirit and then wine in it, uh, sparkling wine in it. And 
a number of our guests were not necessarily uh, aware of that or did not look closely at the uh, menu and ended up, uh, let's say, maybe a little bit more inebriated than they intended to. So, so maybe you want to be a little careful and you can sort of use uh, sparkling water or something to to uh, round out your punch. But but the point is, it's just it's a lot of fun. It's relatively easy to prepare ahead of time. And like I said, it's sort of endlessly uh, malleable to whatever it is you want to have. Yeah. So I, I, I dig the punch. Uh, I also understand the. I like the rosé. I do agree with with uh, Zach's point. I think that my one issue with the backyard barbecue is that the wine gets warm very quickly, um, and there becomes a time when like it isn't as refreshing as you would want it to be, or like someone accidentally. You know, like like the classic move is someone accidentally like pulls the bottle from the cooler, and then they just like left it sitting on like the picnic table or something. And then you finally get to it and then it's like warm in the bottle too. And you feel bad for the person that bought the wine because like no one's going to drink it now. Totally. Or it's going to have to go back in the cooler and get cold again. And that just sucks. And it's it's never a good thing. Um, but I will say I I do I do tend to drink wine at the barbecue once in a while. But my, my go-to is, is Pilsner's. So I will drink like a crisp cold Pilsner almost any day when it comes to thinking about the barbecue. It's like – just it's so refreshing again it's it's just the right amount where it stays cold throughout the entire time i'm drinking it and then i can grab another one in the cooler and open you know it's it's low enough in alcohol i feel like it's a very easy go-to um and you know again for the same reasons you guys are saying in terms of of wines i don't tend to go as much to like the ipas etc because they're higher in alcohol um you know i'm sweating i don't want to like get way too drunk too quickly. I want to sort of have this, you know, sessionable experience with my friends. So for me, Pilsners are like 100% the way to go. Yeah, I'd say if I'm really looking for something that is super cold and refreshing, you know, beyond rosé, which is kind of my my go-to, I'll do I'll do a spritz. I mean, I love just it could be an Aperol spritz, which has that more sort of orangey characteristic, or I love Chinar. Chinar has uh, some artichoke flavor, which sounds bizarre, but it's actually so delicious. Uh, you can do a Campari spritz, and you know, to make a spritz is so easy. It's just three ounces of prosecco, like two ounces of whatever the liqueur is, and then one or two ounces of soda water. So, you know, much like a Pilsner, you're watering the thing down so that it has that lower ABV so that you're not going to get smashed. That's a good point. Now, but I have a question. So why do you think it is that there's this sort of assumption people have that like, this is the time that you bring crappy wine? <laughs> like, do you think it's because of the issues that we're saying, right? That like, oh, well, it's too hot out or like, it doesn't get as cold. It's like, we're complaining. Like, I mean, Zach, you brought up this point that I think everyone sort of thinks it's like it's like where you it's where you put the throwaways right it's like oh like, yeah. i'm going to a barbecue cool like i'm going to spend less than 15 let's see what happens it's just going to get thrown in the cooler anyway like why do you think that this is well i think there are two reasons the first one is that just if you are if you're like a maybe even a stereotypical wine connoisseur you don't think of sitting outside with your buddies or you know family or whatever eating uh, burgers as like the place where you necessarily want to open your treasured uh, wines from your you know collection. It's a it's a space that is in the same way that we don't consider most barbecue, with some real exceptions for sure, to be the pinnacle of cooking. It's sort of a it's about oh no, it's the pinnacle of cooking. <laughs> well, I, I said I want to be very clear. It depends a little bit on what we are talking about here, and and this is actually what I was going to say uh, as well, which is my second point, which is some of this in the end comes down to how good is the food that you are eating. True. Because sometimes I think we have all had the experience where 
man, you go, you are the person or someone in your family or a close friend, like they are just a kick-ass, like, you know, they're, they have a smoker and they know how to make like that style of barbecue or they're great on the grill. They grind their own meat. They do whatever. They get great quality product. And it's like a real legit dining experience. And there, I think it's totally a good idea to say, hey, we're going to bring, you know, maybe we're going to bring rosé, but we're going to look at like some of the higher end Provencal rosés, you know, look at the the list of top 25 rosés for 2020 and look at some of the ones that are, you know, that we talk about more as being really like some of these really sort of premium rosés. Or I'm going to get a really, really nice Pilsner from you know a really good local brewery. I'm not going to necessarily buy something that's produced at a larger scale because, hey, this is great food. And even if it's in a casual setting for dining, it doesn't mean that I can't have a really great drink. But I think that for a lot of people, whether it's you know backyard, beach, park, whatever, we think of that as like, hey, we're, our standards are lower. We, we expect that the food is going to be you know tasty, but not amazing. And so the focus there is on, you know, things besides the drinks. It's the, it's the catching up with family. It's the, you know, it's the, the, the games you're playing or whatever it is that, you know, you're doing at your, at your barbecue. And so it's kind of a natural place to not put your best foot forward in terms of drink quality. Now, I can certainly understand disagreeing with that. I often bring reasonably good wine to these things because that's what I would prefer to drink if I'm going to be drinking. But but I think it's just sort of, you know, in our mind, it's like, hey, you know, the standards are lower. It's just like how traditionally you go to a baseball game, you know, well, this has changed in some stadiums, but, you know, like you drink whatever the macro lager they have is because you're there for another experience and the beer is just a part of it. it, it I think there's a lot of that same sort of I, uh, intention that goes along with this. So you're saying basically if someone went to Costco and bought the frozen patties to put on the grill that are pre-made, that may not be when you bring out like the the high-end dope shit (laughs) in in your mind. That's my thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's time for hard seltzer. That's that's when the hard seltzer gets popped in like with the bags of chips and, you know, it's that type of barbecue. But then again, if if you're grilling salmon, for example, uh, I think, you know, chill a Pinot Noir down a little bit. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest problems with barbecue pairing is the uh, temperature outside is pretty hot, probably. Maybe maybe it's in the 80s. Maybe it's even, you know, 90. The 90s, but, yeah. Exactly. But the the drink, you know, even if it's a red wine, it should not be getting higher than around 70 degrees. It's not going to show well at all so you know chill down that pinot noir slightly like put it in put it in the cooler for 10 minutes and it's going to taste a hell of a lot better with that salmon than if it's you know 75 degrees or like 85 degrees sitting in the sun see i think i think here's the issue we should have started off this podcast by by addressing the fundamental the definition of the word barbecue Oh man, now things are going to get ugly. <laughs> because what we what 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 the two of you are talking about is grilling. Uh-huh. Which is fine, you can grill, but I would argue that with barbecue and I made this mistake too earlier in the podcast cuz I also said pilsner barbecue. I should have said with with when we're we're cooking out. When it's barbecue, that food is some of the finest cuisine you will find in this country and I'm telling you if you have like you have some of this like a smoked pork butt or you know pulled pork and you have that with a fine burgundy that is delicious food right there or a really good smoked brisket with ice cold syrah that is a dope pairing and i think it's it's just the difference in like as as zach was saying you know are we are we talking grilling 
and chilling, or are we talking barbecue where there's, it, you know, there's there's a whole culture around it in this country of that, um, you know, of this cuisine, and there's been a lot of care that's gone into it, and it's caused, you know, us to basically have one of our own really true American cuisines, right? I mean, th- this idea of of where that's come from is incredible, and though that meat that comes out of the result of that cooking is some of the best meat you'll have in your life. Well, I think we should give pairings for both. So, all right, if we're talking brisket and smoked pork, which uh, is my favorite, uh, what would you say? What are the ideal pairings? I mean, I've got my own perspective here, but what would you guys say are the the best pairings for those meats? For brisket, I yeah. you, I'm really actually not a huge barbecue brisket fan because I'm from the real south, so I, I stick on the pork <laughs> side. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Things are going to get ugly. I'm I'm not I'm not a Texan, so I I know what barbecue is actually. But um, <laughs> so uh, you know, for me, it's it's all on that that Pinot tip, right? So I think you know, Burgundies are amazing. I think Willamette Valley Pinot Noirs are great. Some from the Russian River Valley are great. All with pork. Um, if you're if you're going to say okay, like this place only does brisket then I, I would say, well, cool. Like, can I just have the burnt end baked beans? Cause like, let's be clear. That's the only thing that's the most delicious. But if I could only have just brisket brisket, um, I would probably go with something like a Cabernet or a Merlot. Um, but I just, I don't, that's not what I, when I go to mm. get, have barbecue, that's not what I want. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Okay. So I will say, uh, I have <laughs> growing up in, uh, in Washington, uh, you know, barbecue is, uh, is, is sadly mostly an imported thing here. Uh, but I've had the opportunity to do some traveling and, uh, actually have a, a, a cousin who wrote a, a book about, uh, barbecue, which, uh, he is from Texas. So, uh, of course his perspective is, is, uh, oriented around brisket. But, but, um, what I will say is I think, you know, what's interesting to me on the, on the, on the beef side of it is I think you're looking at sort of two important flavor notes, right? The first is obviously the smoke. And if you don't pick a, a wine that's going to pair or a drink that's going to kind of work with those smoky flavors, I think you're kind of going out, you're going the wrong way. So Adam mentioned Syrah. I think Syrah is a great wine to look at. I like a, something a little bit uh, that it might take a little bit more kindly towards chilling. I think Syrah cold can work, but sometimes the sort of tannin structure of it gets a little assertive when it's cold. So I like, um, like a, it's going to be a little obscure, but like an Austrian variety like Blaufrankisch, which picks up a lot of those same sort of smoky notes, peppery notes on the nose, but it's more uh, in terms of body is a little more like Pinot Noir. Um, I also think something else we've talked about on this, uh, I think on this podcast before, uh, Zeno Mavro from Greece can be really good as well. Again, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. aromatic, smoky, peppery, but not as uh, robust uh, red variety. And then I think uh, if you're looking at the pork side of things more, I mean, again, then you get to all these different variations. What kind of sauce are we talking about? Is there sauce? Is there not sauce? But but I tend to agree. I actually really, one of my favorite things with um, like barbecued pork or pork ribs is actually like a really robust white. So I like something like, uh, like a Southern Roan white blend or even potentially like a, a Chardonnay from the New World with some oak. Like it's one of the few places where I actually like that flavor profile um, and structure with the food because the wine, those wines have a little bit of tannin to them, and the and the pork is so unctuous and fatty that I actually want a little bit of tannin from oak and 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 from the grape to some extent. And I want some of those maybe even tropical fruit notes because that sort of tropical fruit flavor plays really well with the pork. It's not a wine that I look to very often otherwise, but it is one of those areas uh, and times that I that I do look at it. The last thing I will just note and i want your guys's thought on this is i also believe that if you're getting like really excellent barbecue some of the answer to what i want to drink has to do with what sides am i getting and that's where we get to what are your favorite sides totally 
the burnt end beans. And for that, yes, yes. that is why the I- The only good I, use of the brisket. It, it's true. And, and <laughs> that's why I'm gonna hang I up go- now. God damn. I go with a rich wine for for that type of a meal. Like I go with like a, a Malbec or, or a Syrah probably because it's like that sweetness. It's the sweetness from the burnt end beans that is oh, like so driving good. me to like a really rich red for, for that sort of thing. Yeah, Zinfandel is another I think good option. Yeah, there. yeah, definitely. I feel like the burnt end baked beans is the only thing I like really, really like because the rest of the sides with like true barbecue are very carb heavy. You've got like you've got like the mac and cheese, you've got cornbread. Sometimes if you're like, you know, lucky you have some greens, but usually you don't. Like only certain places would also have, you know, like stewed collards or something like that. So you're really like it's like very carb heavy, and then the burnt end baked beans, and I'm like, let's just go burnt end baked beans and like call it a. Or you have the broccoli slaw, which is hard because it's so sweet. Right, right. What that about what about regular coleslaw? Am I alone in liking coleslaw? Here? I love regular coleslaw, and it should always be put on top of a pulled pork sandwich. And if anyone tells you differently, they don't know how to eat barbecue. I will second that. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's like I, I we might we might have found the single the topic where amazingly Adam is at his most opinionated. I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think this was going to be it, but I guess being from being from the south, yeah. I have some real thoughts on barbecue, but now we can let, let's go from barbecue. Okay, now but I do have a question because this is this is you know from where you you both are from. I have heard people refer to like the 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 wood plank salmon as barbecue. Yes. And and I and I will and I will warrant you that I think it could be as well, but now I'm curious about that side because that's also not putting salmon on the grill, that's putting it on a wood plank and like then it gets I've only had it once in my life so I can't even tell you what if I remember it. Oh my god, it's so good. The alder plank smoked salmon. I mean, it is one of my very favorite things in the world. Whenever I go back to Seattle, I have to have that along with Dungeness crab. And let's not forget the oysters, but you know, that's another episode. <laughs> the salmon. Yeah, exactly. With the salmon, I mean, you know, you just can't go wrong with the Oregon wines, for the most part, they were coming out of there. So a little bit of a chill on a Pinot Noir or a Pinot Gris, um, or even, you know, even a Chardonnay uh, from Oregon, like those are, it's kind of like the grows together, goes together type thing. Like when I'm drinking, um, or when I'm eating salmon in that, that uh, plank smoked salmon, I'm generally pretty much thinking of uh, Oregon and, um, and sometimes Washington wines as well. Yeah, I think that the you know Erica's suggestions are good ones, and and I will agree that the plank smoked salmon is really or or whatever you want to refer to the cooking method because it's kind of like a combination of smoking and and roasting over a fire. There's sort of like an indirect and direct heat thing going on, which is kind of cool. Uh, is I think it's also the a time when you can actually the, the fish has you know if you get really good, especially if it's king salmon, so you're getting like a pretty high fat content fish. It's got a a weight to it that's a little bit more substantial than most other fish. And I actually think that you can even look at kind of a mid weight um, red wine, uh, something like a like a more elegant style of Cabernet Franc or Syrah. Uh, and there's some great examples from within Washington, um, as well as, as, as Erica mentioned, uh, things like Pinot Noir and um, other sort of uh, varieties like that from Oregon, principally not really from Washington with a few exceptions. I also think that um, the other thing that can be really, really delicious uh, with that food is the, like, a, it's actually one of the few times when I think you can actually go with um, like a, 
uh, what am I trying to say here? Like a not exactly sangria, but I think you can make like mm-hmm. it's, again maybe coming back to my punch idea. It's like I like to make like almost uh, I've made a few times like almost it's almost like a I guess an herbal sangria. It's the best way I can think of to describe it, or like a a vermouth almost, but like an essentially an infused wine um, where you bring in like things like sage and thyme and um, rosemary and like they work really well with like a rosé or a white. It's a good use for that kind of medium mediocre wine that someone brings is to almost like throw those things together you know you you kind of let them steep for a little while you strain it back out so you're not getting like chunks of time in your drink um but that can be really nice because there is like an herbal note that comes out you know in this sort of process and it's just super tasty um but it takes a little bit of work you know it's not always everyone's uh, preferred methodology it sounds pretty good and what I'm just curious, that sounds amazing. And it would be so good with like a grilled halloumi or like roasted vegetables. But like, explain how you would make it. So the the way I've done it, so like, again, I've done this a couple times, and it's sort there's sort of the like, uh, impromptu and a little more thought out methodology. So if you're gonna if you have like, a, the chance to prep, I like to just do it. It's like making iced tea kind of like I like to take the you know, like I grow a bunch of herbs in my backyard. And I have like, you know, tea bags, essentially, and you just put a you know put some like i said you know thyme rosemary sage uh whatever in in one of these um uh sachets or whatever and you just you fill a pitcher or a jug or whatever with with the wine um you steep it in there um you know overnight is fine just i just do it in the fridge um or you can even do it out on the counter or whatever uh and then just pull it back out so you're just getting a little bit of that flavor infused in it's it's sort of like i mean maybe the the you know, it, 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 depending on how much you use and the, what else is going on in the wine, sometimes the flavor is a little more subtle. Sometimes it's a little more intense. I tend to try and keep it on this more subtle side just so that you're getting an additional note. But it's a great thing to do with, like, if someone brings over, like, you know, something that's relatively sort of neutral in flavor, like a Pinot Grigio or something like that. You can just add a little bit more to it. Um, and and I think that, you know, this is maybe the point from what I was saying way back when. I think this is, these are the kind of dishes, the kind of foods where like we like to treat wine and rightfully so as a sort of sacrosanct thing that should not be adulterated. God, don't put ice cubes in your wine. Don't put soda water in your wine. And I don't, I agree with that with some things, you know, Adam's great burgundy. I think that's very much a thing you should just drink <laughs> on its own. Yeah, probably. But if someone brings over a $12 bottle of Pinot Grigio or, you know, whatever, or Sauvignon Blanc or whatever to your barbecue or your grill or whatever the term is for this type of dining experience, I think it's totally fine to treat it as a base for whatever else you want to do. So whether that's fruit and you want to make sangria, whether or it's fruit and spirit and you want to make punch or you want to infuse herbs into it and take it down that road. Like, don't think that the only thing you can do with these wines and drinks, uh, you, hell, you could try it with beer. I've never done that, but it might be really cool. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, like, Don't think that the only thing you can do with these is just open them and drink them. Like, If you're willing to put a little bit of energy into it, you can create a really cool experience that works with these resources you have on hand. Uh, but but creates a a new drink yeah i love that infused wine idea and i would totally pour that over ice add some soda water on top and a big squeeze of lemon and that sounds incredibly refreshing yeah it sounds delicious yeah the only thing i need is a hammock after that (laughs) but so okay so we discussed the barbecue we discussed the barbecued salmon so let's go to to grilling and chilling if you were just grilling what would you bring? And now we're talking about what most people think of as barbecue, having a barbecue, hot dogs, hamburgers, barbecue, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, 
I think it, so if for barbecue chicken or something like that, I mean, I, I like a Chardonnay. I like an oak Chardonnay for something like that. That's like a little bit, you know, it's got some sweeter sauce maybe. Um, or you could go in the other direction with something aromatic. You know, you could, you could go Riesling, you could go, I mean, so many different directions. It really, for me, it really matters what the sauce is. So, you know, chicken is a pretty malleable thing. Pork chops are a pretty malleable thing. You can, you can do a lot with them. Uh, and it's, it's really the sauce. So like we do a lot of teriyaki at our house coming from Washington. There are teriyaki stands practically on every corner. That's like an actual thing there. Yeah, totally. There's chicken teriyaki, uh, like stands, like, um, you know, little, little stores of it practically in every little strip mall throughout Washington state. I mean, it's like a real thing. I think it's particularly in, uh, in the Seattle area, it's really concentrated. Um, but for something like that, I probably would go, I, I think I maybe could do like a Chenin Blanc or, um, or, or maybe a Riesling, like something that, uh, can, you know, has, has some aromatic qualities to kind of stand up to that, um, flavor profile. Interesting. I, I think that, you know, for me, this is actually maybe the time when I come back to your advice from the beginning, Adam. I'm thinking about what I want when I'm standing outside and it's hot out and I'm, and especially because often I'm the person in front of the grill. And I think in that setting, I, I think I want, yeah, a Pilsner or, you know, my kind of like bougie alternative, a Goza. Um, cause I want like the thing I love about something like a Goza is it has like a, it has a, it's made with salt. So it has a little bit of that salty character, which just helps kind of bring out the flavors in whatever I'm eating as well. And, and is super refreshing. They're low ABV as well. And, and I really enjoy them. Um, but something like that, you know, I, again, you know, you guys know me, I tend to like to overthink these things, but sometimes I think it's better to just be like, you know what, give me a can of something cold, refreshing. I got to think about, you know, Person X wants their burger medium well. Person <laughs> Y wants w- wants one kind of cheese, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm just not going to – I don't have the brainwaves to deal with thinking about what beverage I want to pair with all these foods. So I'm just going to default to something that I know is going to taste good with everything. And that's where, like, rosé, as Erica suggested earlier, comes in. Like, I, I think it sometimes is, like – I mean, certainly I put a lot of thought into these things, as you may have heard. But uh, but I think sometimes when I'm, when I'm the one grilling, I just – that's all I want is just, like, a can of beer – and leave me the hell alone. Yeah, I see that. I also think in this in this time, it's like Aperol Spritz territory, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. let's let's go with that. It, it's very refreshing. It's super crushable. It, you can drink a few of them. Like that's what I want when I'm just sitting in the backyard and someone's like grilling over charcoal or over gas. Although, I mean, again, we could get into some real heated debates over whether or not grilling over gas is actually grilling. And can we get a shout out for sparkling wine? <laughs> well, you need it for that spritz at least. <laughs> no, I feel champagne has been getting killed lately from the sales perspective as we keep on looking at oh, sparkling wine, sparkling wine. Uh, no, I just, I I need to get a shout out for my sparkling wine because I just, I feel so bad for it. I've been trying to drink, <laughs> I've been seeing so many articles uh, and looking at the sales numbers and just feeling terrible. And then now I've just like started started buying grower champagne to do my part. <laughs> we we appreciate you falling on that sword. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Well, that's a that's a good way to end it. Um <laughs> Guys, it's been it's been a pleasure as always. Um and for those listening at home, um we hope you and yours are doing well, are healthy and safe and uh if you again 
have any thoughts about this podcast or others that we put out, please drop us a line at podcast at vinepair.com. And again, make sure to treat, to check out the great drinks experience, which will be June 23rd through 26th on vinepair.com. And we will see you all back here next week. See you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.